Hello there. Welcome to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 15. I am your host, Chris Latorre. Cristobal Miguel de la Torre. No, that's not true. It's basically raised in a very white town in a little city called Diamond Bar. So it's Chris Latorre. <laughs> that's right. So how's everybody doing? Good? Yeah, I'm excellent. Thank you. Had a lot of coffee, so I'm ready. I'm ready and pumped. <laughs> and there's so much to get to. This is the biggest, the largest, the girthiest, the heaviest of the podcasts. So strap in, put your seatbelt on, double click, double buckle. It's a it's a big one. It's it's beefy. And man, it's so good. We had a great special guest, which I'll get into in a second. First off, thank you and please follow us at Instagram and Twitter at Sunspots Comics and check out the website sunspotscomics.com and even the facebook.com slash sunspotscomics so thank you we appreciate it tell a friend spread the word tell a neighbor a priest anybody (laughs) that if you enjoy it and I'm worthy tell a friend that Sunspots Comics is providing you with a just a wee bit of entertainment in your life and put on it put a smile on your face that kind of stuff Uh, quickly because we're going to jump into the guest here in a second uh, state of the business, things are going well. Zombiedestroyers.com is coming. It's a webcomic that I'm going to be doing with an artist that is kind enough to put my brain ramblings into a comic book. Zombiedestroyers.com is coming very soon. Still working on my database of comic books and toys that I'm going to be selling on sunspotscomics.com eventually one day. We're getting closer, getting closer. So thank you for your patience and take a look at Sunspots Comics and Zombie Destroyers from time to time. But we're going to jump right into the meat of, of this podcast, of number 15. And I was just, I had the great honor of having Dave Baker. He's, he, he's a writer, comic book writer, screenwriter, TV writer, uh, talkies, even the movies. He's doing some writing. He, he just barely touched on it, and, and I guess he can't really go into detail contractually. But he's such a skilled writer, such an amazing guy, such a smart fellow, and he sat down and talked with me for over an hour, (laughs) and I had an absolute blast. I forgot about the time. I had a bunch of questions. We just kind of rambled in the conversation. I stuck to some points, but it was a little all over the place, but it was so much fun, because that's how he writes. If you check out www, I guess you don't even have to say the W's anymore theactionhospital.com check them out on Instagram x Dave Baker x and it's good it's free it's a webcomic that is really hard to describe it's it's character driven it's all over the place it's like a mad lib cornucopia of of interesting characters and powers and abilities and it is just in, it's insane i'm 3 issues in i guess there's 13 or so and i'm going to read them all it's fantastic and, uh, I, you know, I like the paper. I like to be able to put the comic in my fingers. But uh, this one is good, and it's really written, written well. And thank you, Dave, for coming on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, being the first, the first professional writer in the biz. He's doing it. So we, we, we go into his mind, and how is he doing it, and why is he doing it, and how did he get there? So uh, with all that said, let's just jump right into it. So here's Dave Baker, theactionhospital.com. Here's the interview. It's a little over an hour, and I had so much fun. There's got to be more. This has to just be part one of, of seven. 
because I feel like we barely touched on the surface. But um, here you go. Enjoy. Oh, and before I forget, uh, this podcast is is pretty much been all ages, and I uh, keep it clean for the most part. I, I just kind of want everyone to listen to it. Well, this interview uh, uses uh, some foulness, some foul language, so be prepared, uh, parents. You know, put your fingers in uh, your your kids' ears because uh, there's a lot of f bombs dropped. There's just a casual conversation, and I didn't want to. I wanted him to talk the way he talks, and that's the way he talks. So he's an artist, and he expresses himself uh, very clearly, and and it's it's who he is. And I was in no way looking to hinder him in any way or have him to stop and think about the words that are just running, spewing, diarrhea of the mouthing out, because that's what we both did. We just had a blast. So it's two dudes just kind of talking, but um, be warned, F-bombs are coming. All right, well, I am uh, here with a my first time ever pro in the biz, emperor in the biz, <laughs> <laughs> Dave Baker of Action, theactionhospital.com. If you haven't looked at this, put your eyeballs on it. Theactionhospital.com is his, and you're now in what, the third issue? You're, you're going into fourth, or am I way behind? Uh, no, we're, we're on... Issue thirteen, 13. is like <laughs> is like uploading currently, and I think we've got to sixteen already all done. All right, um, that's so awesome. So we're slowly, yeah. The site updates about theoretically two times a week. Sometimes I'm crazy and I'm like, I'm just gonna upload five pages this week. <laughs> and sometimes it's like a week and I don't upload anything because I'm lazy and haven't lettered something. Awesome. Yeah, I write it and then it's drawn by. Um, basically like six or seven different cartoonists um and then i letter everything usually sometimes people will help me out when i'm behind and they'll letter but it's usually me writing and lettering so it starts with me and then i have the responsibility of finishing it wow well just from the action hospital alone which i know you have other things going oh you know what what kind of hours are you putting in weekly to just just well, action for, hospital for action hospital it's uh action hospital it kind of varies because, like I said, I write it all. So sometimes I don't have to do anything at all, you know, because I've written something that I wrote, you know, whatever, four months ago, two months ago, and uh, all the work is done by someone else, a love, one of the lovely illustrators, uh, Robert Negretti, Clay Mural. Those are the two kind of regular guys. And then we have a bunch of other people, Kat Yee and Nicole Goo and... Um, Nick Diaz, a bunch of illustrators now that I'm, I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting, but it's, uh, oh, JQ Hammer, he's the guy drawing the current issue. Um, so it's, it, in some ways, it's kind of like making little creative time bombs, because, you know, I spend however long it takes me to write an eight-page issue, and then I send it to them, and then they uh, lavishly illustrate it, and sometimes it's very quick, and sometimes life gets in the way, and it takes a little while, and then when the pages come back to me, I put them on the site, so... That stuff is kind of, it, it's not particularly time intensive, but when I, I draw one of the storylines on the site, I draw, there's a character named Joan Michelle Basquiat, who's kind of a pun on John Michelle Basquiat for all those art history nerds. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, so she's a nurse in the hospital and she kind of has this innate mutant ability to where she can see the essence of people which manifests as like a little emoticon over their head. So she'll like look at them and then their face will change into a strawberry or a fish or <laughs> whatever their kind of like essence is. Um, 
And that's about as far as her powers go. She's kind of a, a listless, uh, you know, 20-something who's been broken up with her girlfriend and is trying to figure out her way in life. Um, and she's so I some, draw She's got some stuff. fisticuffedness as well, a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does some, <laughs> she does some fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the M.O. of Action Hospital. It's kind of like, oh, man, like emotional torment, super emo bullshit. Also, uh, I'm going to punch you in the face now. <laughs> right. Like electric brass knuckle. I like that. I mean, there's some there's some dialogue that's deep. It's, you know, you, you're definitely going into a mixture of, of genres, and then it's knuckles to the eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I gotta tell you, like, I, I've, I'm only three issues in, and uh, we met on Instagram, which is weird. You're my first, like, virtual friend that I've, I've oh, yeah? had to meet, like, face to face. Or at least I'm calling you friend. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I hope you're okay no, with that. No, we're friends. <laughs> but it's like, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm an older fella, and so, you know, we don't meet a lot of folks virtually. It's kind of done with the. <laughs> Where you can, you gotta get real close and smell each other's breath, but that, you know, this is great. I, I thought, I, I instantly gravitated to your Instagram. If you haven't looked at his Instagram, put your eyeballs on it at, or it's actually X Dave Baker X. You yep. don't have a, you don't have an Instagram for, um, the, for no, yeah. Hospital, right? Okay. No, I, I keep meaning to, and then I'm just <laughs> fucking lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have plenty there. You don't need it. You, all the content you're loading for Action Hospital there is just keeping me definitely interested, and I'm always peeking at it. And So check it out if you haven't seen it on his Instagram, X, Dave Baker X. And uh, I want to jump into, like, what I, I... So I'm three issues in, and mm-hmm. I'm going to read them all. And I've, I've, I, I loved that the there was just a, a jump-endedness to the story. Like, you know, you just sort of hit the ground running, and then you're sort of trying to figure out, okay, what is this? Okay, there's this hospital, and here you have this, like, um, oh, I, I like this organic suit and this character that has, like, a... I love that Firestorm-esque meld mash of two personas within one symbiotic. I, I just love that. And you just hit the ground running, and you're getting introduced to characters without a whole lot of, you know, background and an and origin that weighs you down. It's just... You just jump in, and I love that. Thanks, yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, the the issue that is issue one um, was, wasn't was really done for the purpose of launching a webcomic. Uh, Robert, the illustrator, and my stalwart creative compatriot, uh, <laughs> Robert Negretti, and I, we met at a local kind of art function. They do these things at Casey's Bar and Pub in downtown Los Angeles called Drink and Draw, where you show up. You drink some beer and draw some comic things and talk That's to nerds. Cool. Wow. Uh, and so we, I sat down next to him and we started talking about comics. And like within about 30 seconds, we realized that we had almost the exact same pull list. Um, at the time, I think it was like Stokoe's uh, Godzilla uh, Half Century War was coming out and Glory and Young Avengers. And I think those three books, were, we were both just like, oh, my God. We're like, that's friends now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You read that, too? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I and love that. So within, like, two weeks of meeting him, we were both just like, man, let's fucking make a little mini comic. Let's see what – let's just do something. So I wrote this weird little mini, and then we just had so much fun. Or rather, I had so much fun. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm just going to keep this going. So. You hope he did. You're like, whatever. I mean, hope you, hope you, yeah, exactly. hope you do. I mean, he's drawn, like, four issues of it, so I would hope that he has fun with it. But – um, you two have yeah, a similar was, art style too. Like from from Negretti to you, it was just seamless in the way they came together. The, you you guys are like on the same page there. So you must have signed the best friend affidavit, right? The two of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's very nice. Uh, I I always say that if I could draw half as well as Robert, I would never stop drawing. Um, so that's a very <laughs> nice compliment that you levied my way. Uh, I think he's 
a, a masterful illustrator, and I uh, constantly attempt to rope him into more things. Because uh, I'm like, hey, man, what if we did a, what if we did a Kung Fu Haunted House comic, man? <laughs> nice. He's like, all right, man, look, I, it takes me a minute to draw these things. Calm down. <laughs> I know the excitement. Like I, I, like I play hockey a lot, and one time there was a guy in the neighborhood that would play goalie for us whenever we wanted. You know, mm-hmm. so it was like whenever you want us to play goalie, and you just you, I overly used him, and I was constantly calling him. But you want to keep him in your back pocket, I imagine. So that's why you you got to keep this guy close to you, right? Yeah, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he's great. Um, and so to kind of like basically, I found a, a another guy to draw what was going to be issue two. Um, but it was going to take him a minute, so as a stopgap, I was like, well, fuck it, I'll just draw issue two, and then this clay will be issue third, and then we'll kind of do these rolling threes like that. And, you know, it, it just kind of happened that over the course of making those first three little mini-comics, we all had a lot of fun, and I was like, well, let's, let's try and keep this going. Let's, let's enlist some more people, and it'd be fun if like whenever the characters show up they're always drawn by the same person so like in the end of issue two robert draws younger on my pages i saw that really fun. um and then uh i think there's three or four issues that we've done that with and then the the last issue in the first volume which is going to be i think 16 maybe 17 depending on what the deadline structure is like um everybody's in it it's a wedding issue no spoilers i'm only in number three no spoilers, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Younger goes to a wedding, and all of the characters from Action Hospital are at the wedding. Not necessarily in the bridal party, just at the wedding. And drawn um, by all their prospective artists? Yeah, general? everybody's drawn by their prospective artists, and the main storyline is all Robert, and then um, there's like a B storyline with me, and then there's a bunch of stuff at the wedding with um, everybody else, basically. That's a very cool concept. You know, I'm, I'm digging into the mind of my archives if you've ever seen anything like that. You know, sometimes you get weird stuff in annuals, I remember, but never never say, like, let's have a page in a wedding where all those those creator artists have done their character. So that's pretty cool, man. That's, that's something different. Yeah, I think it's really fun, and I totally didn't steal the idea from Image United. Totally. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. I completely thought of it myself. <laughs> um, and uh, if Image United ever finishes, I'm fucked. Because everyone will realize that it's no, not they, they buried that. It's it's toast. Yeah, <laughs> You're <yeah>. safe. <laughs> yeah, it's dead. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I also wanted to jump a little into something you use I've seen continually, which is the way you use word bubbles as sort of thought bubbles and action bubbles in a way. Um, how you use the word surprise in an action bubble series where each letter is. That's just unique and different. I've never really seen anything like that. that and that's all you. All, all the lettering's you? All the lettering is me. Um, and sometimes I'll even like rewrite stuff as I'm lettering it because I'll like – sometimes it's my shortcomings as a letterer where I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Well, <laughs> I, I know how to do this, so I'll go over here and make this. Um, but yeah, uh, some of that stuff uh, comes from Casanova, the Matt Fraction, Gabriel Ba comic. That's like, I can't overstate the amount of importance that book has had on me as a person, like just spiritual growth and like the logistics of making funnies. Like I, I love what they do and they do some of that stuff in there where it's kind of like a tailless balloon with bracketed sentence that describes a sound. I do that a lot. Uh, I think that stuff is really fun. I do a lot of like 
one letter per balloon. So if it's someone saying like, love that. fuck you, it's like a billion little <laughs> right. balloons. I'll say fuck you. Cause it's like slow move. <laughs> right. That's, that's what, what conveyed with that. Honestly, with the breakage of the bubbles, I was just like, it's in, so you had one of those surprise. I just read a little, sir, my mind went, sir. I thought that was just very cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually in the, in the more recent stuff I've been drawing. Cause I'm right now, I just finished drawing, uh, issue 14 or 15, depending on where it falls, which is the last Jones story for the first volume. And in that, I've kind of taken the, what we're talking about, the kind of like de- decompressed time element from the lettering side and actually like put it into the pages that I'm drawing. So there's like a shit ton of panels uh, <laughs> on these pages. Like I think one of the pages has like 74 panels or something like that. Wow. Um, Mostly because I hate myself, and I'm like, well, what, what do I, why do I need to go out tonight? I'm just going to stay here and draw little panels of people's eyes blinking. <laughs> you like to you punish know. yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, 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 you know, it's spiritual flagellation. It's fun. <laughs> well, yeah, if you can't hate yourself, who can you hate? Right? 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 <laughs> so true. Oh, and you know, I wanted to tap on another point that I, I dig in in three with your Mallory Sloan character and the and the dark Satan. I can I oh, just damn. I just love that 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 contrast. You you, you tapped a little on the uh, the new rock star Pope. I know that was, you know, that was you're ahead of its time. You, you had yeah, no idea yeah, there'd be a, a that, rock star that book, Pope. That that issue I think came out right when uh, when he got elected. Do they get elected? Yeah, they're elected. It's, it's, it's like. I know they go into a room and then they put smoke out of a chimney. And then there's eggs in their back pockets. There's like all kinds of weird. Something. Yeah, yeah religion's <laughs> weird, man. Yeah, religion's so weird. weird. So weird. Um, but yeah, no, Mallory's actually like a direct response to Benedict because mm. he literally he was a Nazi youth and he looks like the devil. Yeah. Like it's so beyond me that that guy in a modern context was given the papacy. Like I'm not a religious person. I don't give a fuck about organized religion. And even I was like, that guy? That guy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that this dude. The guy whose eyes look like dead Rottweiler eyes. This guy? Mm-hmm. This is the like spiritual leader of the free world, quote unquote. Right. <laughs> oh, well. Right. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. I love that. I love that possibility. And just the, the two sides, you know, two sides of the coin that have to sort of come together. And that's about as far as I got. So, uh, you know, oh, no worries. anymore. I mean, hey man, there's a lot of it. There's like 300, yeah, maybe that's an overstatement. There's like 200 something pages on the site. Um, uh, and I've done interviews before where people haven't read any of it. So you're, you're ahead of the curve, buddy. Nice. <laughs> Points for me on the best friend meter. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically those three storylines with some kind of one-off characters. Uh, there's a character, I think in issue four or five, it's a, um, a, a homosexual sailor whose husband gets uh, kidnapped by uh, carnivorous mermaids and he spends the next decade of his life hunting them down and trying to rescue his husband. What um, Mad Lib book did you put together to get that character in particular? <laughs> that, character, <laughs> that character actually comes from... I went to... Uh, I went to... Uh, oh, fuck, what's the name of that convention? In Portland, Comic there's a Com- comics. <laughs> Com- <laughs> there's a comics Com- convention in Portland that is no, no. longer a convention, mm. and I went there. This is killing me. I don't remember the name of it now. Stumptown. I went mm. to Stumptown, uh, and 
uh, one of my friends who is a lovely artist, Sid, Sid B., um, who's been like featured in High Fructose and like Juxtapose and crazy shit. She's, she's on fucking point. Um, she and I were hanging out there and uh, just shooting the shit about like, we should make a comic. Ooh, good, good, good. What's it going to be about? So <laughs> it kind of started as like all of the in-jokes from that weekend. Like wow. at the end of the comic, uh, Delor- the, the name of the sailor is DeLorean Gray. Puns. Fantastic. Uh, DeLorean Gray gets turned into this giant kind of buffalo three-eyed monster thing. And uh, that's directly based on one of her sculptures because she does sculptures as well as uh, is an incredibly talented painter. So I kind of wrote it for her originally. And then she was like, oh, you know what? My schedule is really crazy. I don't have time to draw this right now. Uh, And I was like, no worries. I'll give it to somebody else and it'll be even crazier because they won't know that all of these things are inside jokes from when we were at this convention this weekend. Mm, It had Um, to be interesting to put that on a set of eyes that had no connection to it in that way. Yeah, and and Nicole drew it. I make comics with... uh, I've made a bunch of comics with Nicole Gu. Uh, We made a couple minis together. We made a mini called uh, This Is Not a Girl Gang, which is about uh, two girls that go from Los Angeles to... um, to the Grand Canyon just to kind of get away from it all. Um, and we're about to release a graphic novel called Suicide Forest, which is about, um, uh, it's like a home invasion movie, but in comic book form! What? Um, Indie publish, or you go through any of the mage? No, yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna be us publishing it. Awesome. Um, unless someone is listening to this podcast right Somebody now. Somebody out there. Publish this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just, at the, in this day and age, like, it's just, there's no excuse to not publish stuff yourself. Um, and, you know, it's we've been making... She's one of the artists on Action Hospital, too, and we've been making Action Hospital for, like, maybe a year and a half, two. So at this point, it's coming to a close. The first volume's coming to a close. We're finally in a place where we can actually, like, print it. So that's going to be happening soon. Um, that's great. That was some of my questions later on. Like, you do have an ending? The ending's already written? Uh, the ending? Yes. Sort of. Yeah. I have I have an ending for Joan in mind, um, but everybody else I don't really have an ending for. Um, but since Joan is kind of the spine of it all, um, I'm not too worried about like figuring out where everybody else ends up. Um, it's also one of those things where Action Hospital, the stakes are so low and it's so easy to do because it's just eight-page comics that... I kind of don't see myself stopping. Like, I could see myself not drawing it anymore. Like, I could see myself ending the Joan stuff and just sitting back and, like, doing eight-page one-off stuff Um, just because I like the world and I like like working with a bunch of different people. And when you have a script for eight pages, it's really easy to get somebody to be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll draw eight pages, as opposed to 22. Mm -hmm. Like, 22... For an independent cartoonist, conservatively, yeah, that's going to take you six months to draw because you don't give a shit about it. It's not paying your rent. It's just this script that this guy that you met at a convention who you're not even sure if he's cool or on the level gave you. You're like, Mm. what the fuck is this? Who's Dave Baker? (laughs) Right. So a lot to expect. And it's uh, it's just more practical. It's more reasonable to, to pin an artist down to something eight pages. That's interesting. Yeah. It's also like it's it's fun for me to try and cram enough story into eight pages to have it be fulfilling like it's it's not an easy challenge yeah at all yeah um and actually uh 
I'm finishing up a skater comic, which is all takes place here in Los Angeles. Um, and the format of that one's kind of interesting in that it's called Fuck Off Squad, and it follows three <laughs> skateboarders who uh, kind of frequent the Venice uh, skate park. Okay. Um, and they're based on, like, real people. Nicole and I went there and, like, hung out for a couple of days and drew the skaters and met a couple of them. And so I wrote this kind of fictionalized version of a couple of the people there. And in the back of that, we're going to do four-page backups. By It's all drawn uh, by female cartoonists. There's five female cartoonists drawing it all. I'm the writer. And um, those four pages are even easier to get people to four. commit to. Wow. Because, like, I, it, it's, it's strangely, four pages is easier to write than eight. And it's easier to get people to commit to. Um, I don't know why that is. Mostly because I think if you're reading four pages, you don't expect, like, a beginning, middle, and an end. You're like, oh, this is, like, two right middle page spreads. Yeah. Like, this is really just small. It's like a little right. snippet window, you know? Um, so, yeah. Well, I nice. feel like we're rambling. I'm rambling just about, like, random stuff that's about to be done. I'm just really excited. Cause, this like, is how we do it. projects are, like, <laughs> slowly starting to wrap up. And, like, in the next, like, two months or a month. All these comics are going to be done, and I'm going to just be, like, throwing them to people out of my balcony window That's like Michael awesome. Jackson. Take them here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bow to me. Comic books. <laughs> well, then let's uh, let's go back to maybe if you could. Like, give us give us your, like, your origin story. Give us a little slice of kind of where you came from, where you studied, maybe even where, what some of your influences are. You know, like, sure, give us yeah. your origin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My secret origin <laughs> secret involves origin. lots of drugs and <laughs> desert. <laughs> there you go. Um, I am originally from Tucson, Arizona, um, which is the asshole of America. I think it's it pronounced Tuscon, actually. Yeah, it's actually pronounced Tuscon. Tuscon. Yeah. Yeah. Tuscon. 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 Yeah. I'm originally from Arizona. Um, uh, my The reason I am like basically am a creative person is because of my mom. She's uh, an art teacher and a drama teacher, and... At a really young age, I had a problem reading. I it just a it scared the shit out of me, and b I didn't I didn't understand. Like the English language is so fucking weird. Like why is what spelled W H A T? What? A what? What? Like, why isn't it just W U T? That that doesn't make any sense. So as a kid, I had a, a kind of a problem reading, um, and I didn't learn to read until I was a little bit older. And so to get me to read, my mom would read to me. And give me comics. So she awesome. read to me like Nancy Drew and um, the Three Musketeers, like all these classics and Hardy Boys. And so the things that really like wow. impacted me and made me want to tell stories were the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, and Tintin. That's awesome. Um, Boy, she yeah. had, she had good taste. Along with, I mean, my mom read Archie, and I don't read Archie at all, but she stuck some of it in my face when I was younger, and I, I never gravitated to it. But it inspired me to go like, what else is there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This format's kind of cool. Yeah, well, at least you had Archie dude. Right, uh, and these two chicks. But I mean, that's cool that she had some taste and she picked what she picked when you were young. Yeah, yeah. My mom is she's an incredible individual, man. She she knew like from the get go, like, and she also gave me Elf Quest, which is a really strange thing to give a kid because it's like kind of sexual and like yeah. people, like weird elf creatures stabbing things and riding big wolves. Um, so yeah, the first like two or three comics I can remember are like Tintin, ElfQuest, and then she bought me like a Spider-Man 
pack from like Borders when there was like, you remember the whole identity crisis thing oh, where yeah. Peter was the Hornet, Ricochet, Dusk, and uh, Prodigy? Nice. Yeah. me some of those stuff, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like when they put them in packs. Like I remember they they would they would put those together back in those days, like at Costco and mm-hmm. Fedco. That's and, absolutely what it was. But yeah. it was they didn't they weren't sequential though. So it was like it was the beginning oh, yeah. of the identity crisis stuff, and then it was like a couple issues where Peter fights Jack O' Lantern. You remember that mm-hmm. guy? Oh yeah. Jack O' Lantern, and then another character I don't remember his name. I think it was like the Puzzle Man or the Puzzle Master, the guy whose face was like a jigsaw. Oh yeah, like a jigsaw. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and it was a couple issues of him, master. and then it was like not the end of the Identity Crisis stuff, but like the issue right before the end. Uh, yeah, so it was yeah. like part of the climax, but nothing actually got solved. So I never knew like why, how anything got wrapped up. But I've I've always. Because of that, I think I have a really soft spot for the Slingers now in my heart. And if I ever get a chance to uh, pitch stuff to Marvel, uh, a fucking what, Slingers TV my... show, I think would be the greatest. Oh, there you go. Even though they don't, they don't own it. Sony owns it. But right. Damn you, Sony. Yeah. Give it back. Well, not just now. They're doing it together now, right? They it's have to. Of, yeah, the like, Avengers now. So Marvel's got the you know the the bigger guns now. They're like, you will work with us. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I would love to write a, a Dusk miniseries. The, oh. the new Dusk, the female yes. Dusk. I think she's great. But, oh, anyway, so your mom's throwing a bunch of comics at you. Yeah, yeah. What happened from there? I mean, it helped you, you know, with your Yeah, situation. it basically, it, it, like, from a really young age instilled in me this kind of, like, storytelling is the most important thing you can do. Awesome. Attitude. Um, cause she was always super supportive of it. And like, I, we have all these little books that she made with me, like these little, like not necessarily flip books or flip comics, but like, I would like scribble. I mean, it's, they're not even drawings. They're like, it looks like a mess of pubes on the page. <laughs> Just and curly hairs like, over and over again. <laughs> I totally like, and then I would like explain to her what was happening. And then she would write underneath the drawings, what it was. And like kind of these like weird illustrated stories. And then I, at a certain point, she gave me these kind of stencils that were like the human body, and I would like stencil out these little men and then draw hats and guns on them. Wow. Um, yeah, so she's always been like super, super um, supportive of any creative aspirations um, that I've had. Um, Did a lot of what she threw at you stay with you? Like you continued on and followed and it was an influence in like your current writing today? Or did, it, uh, did you leave from definitely. it? Yeah. Tintin, definitely. Um and I think because of Tintin, that then indentured, like, a strong love of, um, like, Johnny Quest and Tom Swift. And uh, I just really respond to stories that are, like, young people doing stuff. Um, as opposed to, like, Batman and Robin. As an adult, I love Robin. As a kid, I hated Robin because he was... It was the narrative tricks were too apparent to me. I was like, "Oh, that's the guy you want me to fucking relate to." Mm-hmm. Like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm not gonna relate to him. He sucks. You're <laughs> writing him to be a kid. No, I'm gonna re- relate to the fucking guy in the cool bat suit. <laughs> right. Don't waste um, my time with you and your lack of pants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was also really into Sailor Moon. I was like, Sailor Moon is the shit. Wow. So maybe I'm not necessarily the prototypical. Uh, you know, demographical market then. Because I was like, I love m- male heroes and teenage girls. 
Well, I think that your, um, you know, your, your, the passion into what you're reading was a, a, a testament to your scatterbrainedness, and it it goes into what you write now because I definitely get a sense of that. It's it crosses genres. Action Hospital is like sort of all over the place, and I love that. You can't really put your just put your thumb on it and say kind of this is what it's about. It, it takes you a while to sort of describe it all as to what's happening. Yeah, I've, I, I'm, the the. The pitch that I usually use for people, which I don't feel is very accurate, but to try and get that across, I usually say it's uh, Men in Black meets Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind set in a hospital. Um, but I still feel like that doesn't really do, like... That's like the fingernail on the on the whole... Yeah, whole right I don't hand. really know how to describe it because it's this weird shared universe thing that, like, seven people draw and, like... It's so many weird genres. Like, some of them are, like, really fantastical, and some of them are just, like... Like, issue two, sure, there's, like, sharks and Yakuza and laser swords and brass (laughs) knuckles that are electrified. But it's really just about, like, two people being friends. Yeah. Like, it's about, like, a little guy. And the sort of... The the dad stuff going on, you can... Yeah, it's just about, like, weird interpersonal stuff, which is in no way based on my life at all. Totally not. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But, <laughs> not at all. Hey, jumping back uh, to Casanova, I, Casanova yeah. I've never done acid, but Casanova felt like I was actually doing acid as I was reading it. And I, and I, to this day, I'm not sure exactly what I read with Casanova. I know that it was good and the archetypes and the character there, but, um, and you said it really had some deep emotional resonance for you. Um, can you slice into that a little bit? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on a personal note, like not even just ignoring like the structural genius and the meta genius and Holy the crap. artistic genius, just me as an individual. Uh, I would not be who I am or where I am right now without that book. Uh, each volume of Casanova has synced up with my life in a really strange way in that stuff that's happened to me in the real world has been reflected in the book almost beat for beat and stuff that, I'm going through have I've felt like it's been excised through Matt Fraction's writing because he has gone through something similar at the same time. Um, and and when the first book came out, I was kind of in this weird creative space where I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had done one graphic novel and uh, my former writing partner at the time and I were talking about doing something else and we didn't really it was this weird creative thing where we couldn't really figure out what our roles were going to be and what the next project was going to be. And that book came out and was like, you know how they say there's the Sex Pistol show where like everyone was at that show and then they immediately went home and started a band because they were like, that's what we're going to do. It was the muse, the birth of this massive muse. Yeah, that's what volume one was for me, both on a personal level, like with some interpersonal stuff that was happening with one of my former girlfriends um, because I... I feel like the relationship that Cass and Zephyr have in volume one specifically was me and my former partner. Like they just have this awful negative symbiotic relationship, but they're just like, for God knows what reason, every goddamn dimension, they're always pulled back together. And with them, it's a little bit less sexual in that they're fucking siblings. Mm-hmm. Granted, she almost rapes him at one point. Oh yeah. That's but, right. uh, but I, it was just so liberating to have him put that 
what was into me in plain black and white down on paper, where it's you just have this bizarre, awful connection with someone, and yet you can't stop it. Filtered through the lens of interdimensional super spy, you know, espionage. Right. <laughs> um, and then volume two was the same way where there's a big twist in volume two that I'm not going to spoil because when I read it, it blew my mind and it felt like it was there was stuff that was happening with me at that time where I was choosing to leave the person that I was writing stuff with and just write for myself. And that was a big step for me um, because for some reason I was under the delusion that like I couldn't be a writer because I could draw. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, oh, I can't wear both hats. Like, you're not supposed yeah. to. Yeah, that's, like, you know, that's, that's, that's a, the way people do it. Like, Frank Miller's the only one that can do that. It's been this way for this many years. That's weird yeah. that you got that you got tied into that. Because for me, I wouldn't think you would just from what I understand of you so far. Yeah, yeah. It's it's taken me a while. Not a while. It's, it's taken me, you know, uh, like any human being. I've, I've had to sort some things out and... For a while, there was a person that I was writing stuff with that I felt like, well, no one else is going to draw the stuff that he writes, and what he writes is really beautiful, so I should draw it, even though I want to write stuff. So it was this weird kind of bizarrely, another bizarrely symbiotic relationship. Um, and Volume 3 is responsible for where I am right now. Like, I live in Los Angeles. I'm a working writer. Um, I've written commercials and movies, and um, I would not be here without volume three of Casanova because at the end of volume three Casanova literally burns an entire dimension to the ground and moves to Hollywood and when that happened I kind of realized like I am using comics as an excuse to not write movies and there's no reason not to Um, because you can do whatever you want you don't have to put yourself in these little boxes um so Casanova, Avaricia 4 came out uh, on a Wednesday, obviously, because that's when comics come out. Uh, I came home to my apartment with my former partner, and a woman was overdosing on our doorstep. And just we a regular, were in San Diego at the just, time. Just a regular day in San Diego, actually. That's pretty Yeah, cool. it really is. It's, <laughs> you know, you know, people don't believe me when I say that, but like in the area that we lived in, East Village, it is. That is oh, every yeah. fucking East day. Ville, San Diego, yeah. Um... So we came home, this woman was overdosing, we walked upstairs, and we looked at each other and we're like, okay, we're moving. It's been, you know, the fights with drug dealers, the, you know, having to walk you to and from work every day, mm. the, the crazy shit that's been happening. We're out. This is the final straw. We're out. We're finally out. Where are we going to go? Well, we're either going to go to New York or L.A., okay? She went out of town uh, Wednesday night. Went to the comic store, picked up some comics. She drove her to the airport. She went out of town. Or maybe she drove. I don't remember. She left town. That's all that matters in the story. <laughs> she left town. She goes see some family. Um, and uh, I, for some reason, didn't read Casanova on Wednesday night. Thursday, I read it. There's that splash page of fucking Cass in front of the Hollywood sign. And on the next page, there's a letter from me. Oh, there's wow. a letter from me where Matt Fraction was a very kind individual and edited the first half of my letter, which was basically me sitting in a tub crying, writing to him, being saying extremely personal things. So he took all that stuff out and just answered some more logistical questions that I had, like, is volume four going to be an OGN? Um, wow, that's huge. So wait, let, yeah. me pin, let me pinpoint where your letter is again. Um, it's uh, Casanova volume three, number four. 
Wow. All right. Because I have uh, in the in the in the Marvel print run in the Icon okay. print run, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the only print run that Casanova had in single issues. Um, that Casanova because it bounced around because it was an image and then it went to Icon and then it went now it's back at Image. So back to um, sorry where you were with uh, Fraction and what he. Go ahead. Yeah, so Fraction, you know, wrote this very nice letter. Um, you know, I mean, it wasn't this immensely emotional connection between us, but the fact that he saw my words, knew that the, my book had that effect on him, and then chose to put those words in the book, um, regardless of if it was the tail end of my letter or not, was a really big deal to me. And... It was like, not only is Casanova Quinn my, like, fictional best friend, but Matt Fraction, the real-life, like, godfather, they were both at the same time, to me, saying, stop fucking up, man. If you want to write a screenplay, write a screenplay. Like, why are you, why are you doing this to yourself? So, the next day, which was Friday, I started writing my first screenplay, and two weeks later, I was in Los Angeles with a job. Um, writing for uh, a commercial company. Wow! So it was just that—it was just that perfectly timed spark in your life, that—that that really was just the 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 rebirth of your sort of creative direction. Yeah, totally. Um, and it was a really hard move too, because like at the time, my partner didn't really want to move to Los Angeles. I was like, well, we could go to New York, but like this is what I. This is what I feel like I need to do. Not that, like, I would like to live in Los Angeles. Like, I mean, like, straight up. Like, if I'm 80 and I look back on my life and I don't go and give this a shot, I'm going to hate everybody. Like, it's not going to be about, like, like, straight up, like, I'm a pretty passionate motherfucker. And when I do something, I do it to the nth degree. And when I hate something, it's really passionate. And I don't want to have that turn inward because it has before like you know i'm a person like everybody everybody deals with self-loathing insecurities whatever and uh when i hit a low like it's it's bad and that's something that like i i didn't i felt like i needed to do period um and i feel like it's definitely worked out um just in terms of i'm here making stuff yeah, yeah. It, it, it kick-started. It, it lit the flame, man. It started the fires for you. It, that's that's awesome. Wow, to to have that connection with that comic, especially. I mean, that's and you couldn't go to New York. He wasn't he, he wasn't at their uh, he was, like the Hollywood sign. He wasn't at the, it, he wasn't literally at the Statue the of Liberty. Sign. Like it's it's literally <laughs> the Hollywood sign. Right. And the best part is the apartment that we moved into when I first moved here. You could stand out in the street mm-hmm. and see the Hollywood sign, like man. straight up see it. If you didn't have a bigger signal, man, come on. I mean, you had to uh, you had to give it a shot, and that's awesome that you did. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to know some some interesting people in my time, and the one thing that you know, my former partner, the girl that I moved to LA with, uh, gifted me with was that just, sometimes you just gotta jump off the cliff, even though you know, like, ultimately, you know, maybe we're not on so good terms now, like. <laughs> I feel like that's what a relationship is. You know, you kind of try and figure out the best things that that person, after after you're done with the weeping and the sobbing and the masturbating and the stalking <laughs> on Facebook. And the stalking, right, yeah. Then it's, you know, what were the things that this person gifted me with? When, yes. when all's done, what did I leave 
what are what are what am I in the black on? Like, yeah. sure, there's emotional stuff that I'm in the red on, or that she's in the red on, or who, whoever, whatever. <laughs> but sometimes it's just those little tiny things, and um, yeah, yeah, and like the ends of relationships, you 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 fall apart, and then you're you're putting yourself back together, and you're examining those pieces when you're putting them back together, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, absolutely, absolutely. Man, that's that's fantastic stuff, man. That's are you reading the current? Are you reading the? Uh, I am, I am, and you know it's weird. I'm not. I gotta go grab it, and I gotta go back and read now because you, you've reinvigorated me to maybe try to make sense of it and read it again. And get I have every printing, wow. straight up, every wow. except for the Spanish one. There's a Spanish printing which I don't have, but I have See. Uh, the image <laughs> floppies, the image trade, the Marvel floppies, the Marvel trades, the Marvel. Soft covers, the Marvel hard covers, and the new Image Deluxe hard covers. Wow! Like I, I'll throw money at that book till the end of time. Director's cut, uncolored, hardbound. No you got it. You know, got care. it. No fucks. I will. <laughs> He's gonna... You want to make one out of gold? I'll buy it. Human skin? There. You can use my arms. You hope Fraction doesn't hear this, because then he'll. He's just gonna put out the no ink edition. It's just like it's just, <laughs> it's like, just like a. Paper. It's just blank paper. <laughs> there, there yeah. it is. Casanova. Just white. <laughs> Casanova yeah. white. There it is. The white edition. There it is. Hardcover white yeah. edition. You'll have three of them. Yeah, yeah. Completely. <laughs> um, yeah, I am reading the current arc. What and, do you think? you know, it's a weird scenario. So, uh, I live uh, by myself in an apartment, and I moved in here in January or so, and this is the first time that I haven't lived either with a partner or with a roommate. And Casanova came out the day I moved in. Man, such timing. That's, it's that's so insane. weird, right? That is nuts. So I I go and I buy the book and I come home and I've written maybe three or four emails to Matt Fraction over the years. Usually, strangely, in a tub crying is usually when I email him. <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know what? I have to I have to pay homage to the, the history that I have with Casanova. I'm going to sit in my new empty apartment in my new shower because I don't have a bathtub here. And read Casanova. So I read it, and I'm kind of like, this feels like he doesn't know what this is now. He's looking for it as he's doing it. Yeah, which... Mm. Which... Maybe a little forced, maybe a little rushed, maybe... I... So now that... Now that the three issues have come out, and now that the third issue's come out, everything makes sense to me, which we can get to in a second. But at the time, I was kind of disappointed. I was like... Not that I was expecting this crazy spiritual awakening like some of the other ones. Are you sure? Maybe that's what was happening. You're in this blank apartment, all these white walls. Here's this massively colorful, beautiful thing. You're looking for. You're looking for signs. You're looking for a, a direction. You're, you sure? I mean, I know you're saying you didn't, but you think that maybe. No, I mean, I, I, sure. I think there may be a little <laughs> bit of that. Yeah. You open up the but, Bible of Casanova for you, reading uh, yeah. instructional, you know, paragraph one. Yeah, and it was like. A, it was weird because there's no back matter in this arc. It's There's a backup drawn by Gabriel Ba and written by uh, Michael Chabon. I love Michael Chabon. I know this is a cliche, but Cavalier and Clay is one of my favorite novels ever. Mm. Like, he's an amazing writer. However, that's like going to a fucking heavy metal show and a dude in a flute shows up <laughs> and is like, Flutes are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I like flute music. That's cool. Jethro Tull is dope. But Jarring. I want to hear like... Wah, wah, wah. Right. 
It's against the expectation, just jarring a little, a little odd. It's just, it, it was just, I go to that book for those three dudes, and when the last beat isn't something that Matt Fraction wrote, it was a little weird for me. Mm. Um, it's a great story, and in trade it'll probably read better because all of the Metanauts stuff, which is the Howard Jenkins, or Howard, uh, Howard? Why did I say Howard Jenkins? Michael Shaven stuff will be collected at the end, um, as opposed to interstitial like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the story, but it wasn't... It's a different pitch. It doesn't have the fever pitch that the first two have. Even the third one doesn't have that same fever pitch in that it's so dense. It's The third one is like excess, you know? It's like the first mm. p- issue is like 48 pages or some shit like that. Um, it's crazy. Um, so... Now that three issues have come out, the current arc of Casanova, Cass doesn't have a memory, and he and um, another secret agent have been basically tasked with figuring out who they are. Because they each have a name in this dimension, but they know it's not their real name, but they don't have any real memories of who they are. So they basically hire each other to find out who they are. Which is really interesting in that if Matt Fraction doesn't know what the book's about, quote-unquote... Like, in terms of theme and kind of rediscovery or whatever, that makes me, the reader, the other, um, in the other spy, like the Emile Boutique to his Casanova or the Casanova to his Emile Boutique. Wow. Which was really interesting now. At the time, I was like, what the fuck, man? Where's my, where's my Casanova? Right. Hmm. But I'm really, I'm really enjoying it now because I understand, or at least to me, it's this co-discovery of Matt Fraction and the reader, quote-unquote, in capital letters, the reader, exploring what Casanova has been and what it's going to mean in the future because he's at an interesting spot in that he's now not going to do work for higher mainstream comics anymore. He's just concentrating on creator-owned. And for a long time, the only creator-owned book he was doing was Casanova. So if now Casanova is just one of a a lineup as opposed to a standout stalwart, what does that mean for Cass? Does Cass need to then evolve and be something other than creator-owned? What what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, what is that? You know? Um, Maybe he's breaking some serious ground here and we're just getting a little taste of maybe where this is going. I don't know. I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, It's also this... I think, again, the reason why the first issue didn't hit me as much is that he uses more traditional comics storytelling mechanisms um, in that it's a little more cinematic. There's not as much of the uh, quote-unquote Casanova stuff. Like, there's not as much of the um, word balloons that have brackets that describe sound effects or kind of um, innovative narrative stuff. It's all based on captions in this one. Um, Wow. And there are two different captions that kind of alternate from two different people's points of view, um, which he's done previously, but these are actual captions as opposed to in the previous arcs there have been like narrative captions and then like breakaway fourth wall breaking captions and then the weird kind of genre breaking devices like uh, characters not being who they're actually supposed to be and like word balloons going to people that aren't talking and that kind of stuff. Wow. Well, I, mean, I think I'll wait for it in trade then. It sounds like it's uh, 
it's maybe it was just a slow start. Maybe we we're not grabbing the concept here yet, and we're not supposed to. And uh, maybe I'll wait uh, wait till it's all gathered and trade. Word, word, man, that's crazy. <laughs> your connection with that comic. That, I mean, what else are you reading? Are you re- what else are you currently uh, reading and enjoying? Uh, right now, I'm really digging on the Tom ne- Tom Neely, Keenan Marshall Kellen uh, image book, The Humans. I love that book. Um, in fact, hold on, let me grab. I have a stack to read. Nice. Right I'm not reading that one, so you got to give me a little synopsis. Synopsis. Oh, dude, it's fucking great. It's a straight-up crime story. It takes place in Bakersfield, California in 1972. Um, however, the entire cast is anthropomorphized monkeys. Oh, nice. So it's a straight-up crime story. Like, it's a gang story. It's like a motorcycle 70s gang movie, but with anthropomorphic monkeys. Wow. Like, it's super, super cool. All right. Um, Check so yeah, out. I'm reading The Humans. What else is in this stack right now? Oh, uh, Scott Snyder's Batman is, is phenomenal right now. Yeah, I'm really that, that last issue was great. Yeah, I actually i am on 42. I have both of them right here. I just haven't read them both. Um, I'm Kaiju it. Max. Are you reading Kaiju Max? No. You got Kaiju it there? Max, Show it to me. Uh, yeah, it's by Xander Cannon. Uh, Oni publishes it. And it's basically, there's an island where they imprison Godzilla's. So there's different monsters from different areas and cultures across the world. They're all put in this prison, and they're guarded by not-Ultramans. Um, I'm a really big tokusatsu person. Mm. I love Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, fucking Space Sheriff stuff. I love that shit. And so this book is, like, tailor-made for me. Wow. It's super, super fun. Um, it's also really great in that Xander Cannon writes and draws it, and I feel like he's really aware of the inherent innocence of tokusatsu and it's kind of yes it's a guy in a suit and that's why we like it like it's not real like Mm. even though the story's kind of gritty and there's like monsters shanking each other (laughs) he draws it in this very larger than life cartoony bright style um which is really great yeah xander cannon is killing it on that book um what else am i reading gotham academy is really good right now uh, Miss Marvel's really good. I'm really digging uh, Help Us Great Warrior by Madeline Flores. Mm, uh, that would be super fun. Uh, it's the Boom Studios uh, kind of prestige miniseries thing based on her webcomic. Wow. So, Boom, if you're listening and you want to do an Action Hospital miniseries. There's the guy. <laughs> yeah. Give him a call. How yep. about Surface Tension? Have you read Surface Tension? I have not read Surface Tension. That's a trippy one. I, I, I like this so far. This is uh, Jay Gunn. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, um, this is Titan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw it come out, what was it, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, it's on number three. So it's, uh, it's been, yeah, it's been on Time Monthly as well. So, yeah, this is the third month in a row. And it's pretty cool as the, uh, this, uh, the ocean starts to change and the bacteria has, like, an alien... It's fused with like an alien presence, and it uh, draws everyone to the ocean, and just absorbs all their DNA to clean the earth. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And it only selects certain people, um, and there's people that are left, you know, with the aftermath of one percent of the Earth's population left. Mm. And uh, yeah, really, really well done. I've read just the one, and I've got two and three ready to go. So maybe check that one out. It's good. Surface tension. Cool. But uh, that's cool, man. You're you're like me. You're just kind of all over the place. You'll go. From- oh yeah, I read I read everything that I can get my hands on. Basically, I read like Marvel DC stuff. Um, 
I don't read as much Dark Horse and IDW. I basically just read like creators that I follow when they put out stuff. Um, like my favorite fucking Dark Horse book from the last like maybe ever, maybe more so than fucking Hellboy, is Sabretooth Swordsman. Have you ever read that? Mm, no. Dude. I just wrote it down. Dude. <laughs> Sabretooth Swordsman is the fucking bee's knees. It's basically like what if Mario was set in the Middle East or in India and uh, he was a cursed magical saber-toothed tiger who has a giant fuck-off scimitar sword. Whoa. All right. I wrote so that down. So it's like <laughs> and it's the artwork's crazy. Aaron wow. Conley does the art and he's just he's a beast. Saber-toothed swordsman. Yeah, saber-toothed swordsman. On it. I love all that just just mess of stuff that's just all so different and out there and slice of life and and twisting genres. That's why that's why I gravitated to Action Hospital, man. So that's oh. cool. What, yeah. what were like what were um like where did you did where did you uh, were you formally trained? Where did you go to school? Where did you like, what do you study? What do you read? I mean besides uh, those the comic books like those weird book thingies. Like do you read Yeah, yeah, those books with picture things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I have a degree in visual communications. Nice. With an emphasis in illustration, Ooh. which no one knows what it means, so it's great. I've gotten so many screenwriting jobs because I go into the room and they're like, uh, uh, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to film school? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I went to the University of Arizona and I have a degree in visual communications. And they think that means that I went to film school. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, it sneaks yeah, in the back door that I way. Know, <laughs> I know enough about movies to like talk shit with anyone, so <laughs> fine. It's fine. It's right. fine. No worries. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, what's a yeah. day? What's a day in the life? What's a day in the life for you now? With everything you've got going, uh, which you j- have only given us a slice, can you maybe go a little bit into what else you got going, and uh, and what a what a day kind of looks like for you? Uh, a day in the well, life of a writer. From from day to day. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's super crazy work intensive because um, I'm working on a project for. Uh, for a, a giant multi conglomerate uh-huh. corporation bullshit thing. Redaction. So, Redac- redaction. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beep. We'll beat uh, that legally out. redacted name. Can, uh-huh. and, I see. And so sometimes, like, I won't be doing anything, and then my writing partner will call me and be like, we have to do a rewrite in two days. And it's like, uh-huh. And this is of the, I'm guessing, motion picture variety, the moving film. Yeah, the moving, the, the moving pictures. See? Nice. So sometimes the talkies, the talkies. Yeah. yeah, the talkies. See, X3, X3. <laughs> Get to so movie. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes uh, I freelance. Um, I freelance uh, write commercial stuff, or sometimes I write web stuff. Um, got a few different clients that I do that for. So it's it. It's a cop-out answer, but it's like every day is kind of different just because sometimes it's like, well, I don't have any freelance to do today, so I guess I'll just work on this page. And sometimes it's like, oh, fuck, I have 12 deadlines tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not sleeping today. Well, then maybe go into this because this totally interests me as someone in the creative field like yourself. Like, like uh, what's, your, what's your process? Like, like okay, you know, here's, here's my plan today and what I have to do, and most of it is just inside my brain somewhere. 
Like, what is your, what is your sort of, I mean, I even like the minutiae, you know, like what is, what is your in there in your process to where this gets the juices flowing, whether it's uh, you're listening to a particular album or looking at a particular piece of art, like, you know what I mean? Where does that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that, where uh, it comes it from, it's, it's magic. So where does it come from for you? What's well, your depends. process? So the comic stuff, uh, I, when I'm, when I'm writing a comic, Actually, it's, it's, that's not even true. The writing side and the illustrating side are two oh, yes. different things. So when I'm writing something, generally there's a soundtrack. Uh, like uh, I'm in the mo- middle of writing a, a spec screenplay right now. A spec, for people who don't know, is that I'm writing it uh, on speculation, and that's hopefully someone will buy this screenplay from me. Um, so I'm writing a movie, uh, which is about a school shooting. Um, and so that isn't necessarily the type of stuff I usually do. I usually do, like, horror stuff um, when I'm writing movie stuff. And generally speaking, there's a piece of music that directly or kind of tangentially is is associated with that. Um, So the current movie that I'm writing is... uh, I've been listening to... Do you know who Frida is? She was, like, a one-hit wonder from the 80s. Uh, she did this song called I Know Sing It, sing it for me on. Sing it if you could it's like, okay. I know something's going mm, on mm, 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 mm. Wow Okay, so some 80s just heavy cheeseness Oh, so cheese So mm-hmm. there's like, oh, it's so great um, And this is what you listen to that inspires you to write something based in reality on a school shooting? Yeah, basically oh, So <laughs> That's crazy <laughs> he, So I've been listening to it on repeat Like, no breaks, nothing else On repeat for about like a week now And I think he, I get it I think I get it So maybe you're purposefully listening to that So that it drives you to the level of where you want to shoot <laughs> No, no I, The moral of the story is obviously the school shootings are not good Um <laughs> But here, let me let me let me play it for you. Here, oh, please, on. yes, I have to hear a slicing. Oh my God, the guitar. Oh yeah. We're you can't see this, people, but we're we're right now. Our teeth are on our bottom lip as oh, we yeah. swing back and forth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that so, and so you tailor make it. That's the for that particular piece of writing, which is in the realm of. Not comics, but in in no, it's, yeah, it's a feature. That's um, talkies. You're listening yeah. to that over and over again on a loop. Over and over again on a loop. Um, <laughs> specifically because that song, a the Phil Collins production on that song sonically is just fucking amazing. Like I'm not a huge Phil Collins fan, but that fucking song, <laughs> the the countertime drums, that weird echo in the in the chorus is it's very, I don't know. There's like an, an immense sense of longing. Which is appropriate because the song is about a woman who discovers that her partner is cheating on her, but she doesn't actually know know it. Like it's not like she has a proof. She just knows that he's not around a lot, and she can feel that things are shifting. Hmm. Um, so it's this weird lament for this former lover who's still your lover, and that's the kind of feeling that the movie has, or I want it to have rather, where it's about this person who's on the edge and who does this just completely reprehensible act um but we all know that it's happening we all see that it's happening like there's no reason why there's not stricter some like 
fuck dudes who go hunting. I'm just talking about, like, semi-automatic weapons shouldn't be sold to people on the street. I should, like, legally, I can go buy a fucking Mac-10 with a fucking clip that holds 30 rounds. I can do that tomorrow. Yep. Tomorrow. Sure can. It's America, man. It's America. Like, there's no reason for that. Can't take uh, her guns. Don't take her guns, man. I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, it's crazy. Exactly. There's there's no reason that that should exist. So, but we all aware, we're all aware of it, and we all keep seeing this happening, and we all have this kind of, like, this is horrible. Oh, this is awful. But there's nothing I can do to stop it. Mentality. And so... That's what that piece of music evokes in me, and that's why I use it to attempt to make that uh, piece of writing sing in that way. Wow. Um, well, switch over off the talkies then and go say to Action Hospital. Yeah, for Action Hospital, so process it's, on really, that? it's really based on the person. I write each script for the illustrator uh, or artist. I don't like the term illustrator because comics aren't illustrated. Like, there's so much drawing a comic book page that's not just a quote-unquote illustration um and that's the thing that really bums me out about the way that kind of mainstream book publishers handle quote-unquote all-ages graphic novels or quote-unquote graphic novels is that it's like fucking anthony bourdain and then the guy who drew it underneath it it's like what the fuck man (laughs) like this wouldn't be a thing without the guy who drew it i think it's changing so fast that so many factions of the entertainment industry just don't have a, a a star to put this circle in. They don't have a, you know, they don't. They they they're having difficulty figuring out the, the, as as the media is changing and becoming just more independent and you know mixed genres. I, I think we're we're getting there. But man, just think about like ten years from now, fifteen years from now, you're part of that movement. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. Fifteen that. years from now, hopefully, I'll have a fucking Eisner and Oscar and a Grammy, and you know, be knee deep in coke and hookers. <laughs> but no, that's neither here nor there. Right. <laughs> in a in a in a gold tubs with your with just your hardbound the white the white Casanova edition. Oh yeah, head. let's and be real go- though. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna be a, it's not gonna be a tub. It's gonna be a giant gold phantom throw. <laughs> there you go. But, and I'm gonna be wearing Billy Zane's actual fucking suit. Yes. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be choice. He will. Be He'll actually, he actually comes and puts it on you. You know, he's there. Oh, this totally. Suit. Totally. <laughs> Mr. Baker, I have yeah. the phantom suit ready if you'd like to put it on now. It'll be yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> and then I'm going to make a fan film where I play Billy Zane's Kit Walker and he plays Patrick McGowan's Kit Walker Sr. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the cane and you're, you know, you're, he's, he's doing the protege and oh my God. Yeah, and people are like, Dave, are you crazy? Why are you spending all this money? And I'm like, I can't stop. (laughs) I have to. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So I saw that, uh, and while we're jumping off, thank you for sharing that, that, because I love that minutia, that that how it sparked. Oh, but go back a little, if you can, just to give me another flavor of, uh, of, you know, process with action. (laughs) So we'll just take, you know, we'll take uh, Joan. So, because yeah. you write individual characters. So, you're writing for Joan. What's kind of your process? Here we go. You know, like. So, for Joan, uh, it generally starts with something that directly happened to me. Uh, because Joan is basically me. Um, she's the stand-in. She's kind of similar sense of humor, similar body type, similar interest set. Um, so, it generally starts with a minor thing. Uh, like... Uh, in the in the one I just finished drawing, Joan uh, hooks up with a girl, and the girl says, "You know, maybe it's time you get some new pants because the wallet p- 
pocket on her right ass cheek is like fraying because she's been wearing them so much. And Joan gets really offended and she's like, no, you don't understand. These are the pants that I used to share with Amelia. Like these were our pants. I can't not wear these pants. Amelia's in the book is her girlfriend who no longer is with her. And um, yeah, I remember at the end of help me if at the end of two, yeah, the end uh, of she two, stares Amelia at a book Amelia's, that yeah. just says Amelia. We don't know who she is yet. Whereas where yeah. I am, yeah, and she's never in the book. She's never quote unquote in the book. She's mm. always referenced and referenced on the outskirts. And then there's one issue where Joan debates doing Doom. Doom is in Action Hospital. Doom is basically a mixture of like acid and um, I don't know some other drug, heroin. Uh, that you, like, drop and your eyes turn black and then you get these kind of, like, creative visions. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, in her depression, Joan decides to maybe turn to drugs. So she purchases Doom from uh, someone and, quote, like, it's a little bit more abstract than this, but, like, a ghost of Amelia comes and says, don't do this. Like, you're bigger than this. Um, it's not literally her ghost. It's just... Like a memory mm. from the past. Okay. Um, uh, so the, that whole story kind of started from that moment where uh, I put on pants. Someone said that to me, and I was like, no, I can't get rid of these. These are the pants that my partner and I shared. I can't. Why, why do I have this weird slavish devotion to this person that we don't, we don't talk? Like, what the fuck is this? So Weird how we hang on to things. Yeah, yeah. So for Joan, everything starts from those little moments, and then I kind of build things around them. Um, and, like, it's fun. It's basically just, like, whatever the equi- whatever the process would be like of constructing, a like, a drama or a slice-of-life scene of, like, if I were going to write me going on a date with someone, and we went to go get Vietnamese food, and we talked about stuff, and it was kind of awkward, and then, like... Maybe they wanted me to kiss them at the end, but I didn't really want to kiss them because I don't like them that way that much. And then I kind of awkwardly excused myself. If that was the story that the Joan story was going to be based upon, it would be literally almost beat for beat that story, just set in an extreme location. So in this last issue, um, Joan goes on a date with someone and they go to a like an underground robotic luchador match where there's a guy that has a, there's a luchador wrestler who has a wolf's head for a crotch and a luchador wrestler that has four robotic <laughs> arms. Um, Again, the Mad Lib, I, I want to have your Mad Libs book for these characters and how you, how you put them together. The wolf, uh, let's give him the, we'll put the head, uh, the wolf head in the crotch. And, uh, <laughs> and that's a thing. Like, I'm like, man, that's crazy. That's mind I'm, I'm a really social person. So I have a lot of really wonderful friends and a lot of great cartoonists that I hang out with. And a lot of times ideas for Action Hospital, for that layer of Action Hospital, the kind of like the surface layer of like, it's a dude with a wolf head a rock, <laughs> comes from, you know, us hanging out and me being in a big social circle and then us kind of, in some ways, improving or mad living and being like, you know, it'd be fucking hilarious if... That freedom uh, has to feel good, right? Just to... No holds bar, just to... Yeah, it does. Live in that, that world. Be better if it paid me shit tons of money. <laughs> well, that's the game plan, right? Eventually. Eventually, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the Jones stuff is pretty organically based on my life in the script stage. And then once I start, I usually write out a full script for me to draw from, which is kind of a waste of time, but whatever. Because it usually ends up getting all thrown out anyway. Um 
like this last issue, uh, I wrote a 12-page script. The page count is 31. So when I'm actually on the page putting things together, me, the illustrator, kind of has... The writer in me lets the illustrator in me go and do Jack Kirby and just be like, oh, well, this is, it would be so, that writer guy was an idiot and like, you can't put that many word balloons in a panel. So we're just going to put like seven panels on this page as opposed to 10. And then this page is going to be a double page splash because that writer is an idiot. And this moment deserves like a really big breathing thing, Um, which is funny because I, I kind of try and encourage people to be that way with me when like I collaborate with someone but people usually kind of stick pretty close to my scripts which is sometimes really good and sometimes like man I know you can fucking like breathe some magic into this shit um not that I'm pointing out anyone in specific uh-huh. but like, God, <laughs> let's do some improv yeah. like no nah, I don't want to do more work I'm just gonna just twist like, it up do- a little just just give it something fresh do something different I know what you mean yeah but they don't. Yeah. They really pretty much just stick right to your script. They don't veer pretty off. Pretty much. Uh, the biggest deviation is in the current issue, issue 13, JQ Hammer. I basically was, this is the first time we had worked together. And I was like, you know what? Like, do whatever you want to do. Like, if you want to add pages, whatever, I'll just kind of stand Lee over the top of you because that's easy to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Stan Lee, Jack Kirby's a genius, and you, JQ, are a genius, so I want to ride you to fame and glory. Mm-hmm. So uh, he did this really beautiful double-page splash. The story is called Manternet, the living embodiment of the Internet, about a man who is the living embodiment of the Internet. And because of that, when he breaks up with his girlfriend, he sees her everywhere. Like, he sees, like, Facebook tags that are like, would you like to tag this person? He sees, when he looks out the window, he sees her Google Maps routes to where she's going. Um, He knows where she's eating lunch you know, because he can read her Yelp reviews instantly like that. Um, it's a short, short piece, only like eight or uh, four pages. And I was like, yeah, man, it's, you know, it's kind of a short script. So whatever you want to do, feel free. And he did this crazy fuck off double page splash of like space and these like Kirby-esque superheroes like are beating the shit out of each other. And like way down in the corner, there's a little earth. And on the earth, there's a little building, and it's like Action Hospital. And then we go into the actual story. <laughs> he just just sprinkled just just a sprinkling, and then went batshit crazy. Yeah, I think it's great. I love it. I love That's the cool. fact that like totally fucking way out in left field, but yet strangely still in in keeping with the rest of it because the whole Manternet is like basically a shitty Jack Kirby character. So. The fact that he was like, yeah, man, I'm going to put everybody in space. And there's going to be like this weird Thor guy with his fuck off hand or hammer. It's going to be great. And like I didn't even really add anything to that page because it was so good. I think I just added like a caption that was like, in a universe of bedlam and chaos. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, for, for real. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's just, you don't, it, sometimes I feel like people overwrite, like, that image says more mm-hmm. than if I was like, you, Manticore, leader of the 7th Division of Alcyon, you will not take over the planet of... Like, you don't need that. No. That doesn't need to be there. It's more of a visual medium, and I, I, I like when people are true to the core of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And maybe that's where yeah. that comes from, when your, your mom and what she showed you and keeping it simple and to the core of the, of the narrative. That's, that's cool, man. It all is tying in together. Ooh. It's great. 
So I have to I have to point out that uh, you're a, a big Phantasm fan. I, I read oh that on god. your blog. Oh my god, yeah. So, Don Coscarelli for life. <laughs> Angus Scrim like a motherfucker. <laughs> I actually met Reggie Bannister uh, at like maybe I think it was Long Beach convention or WonderCon maybe. Mm. Uh, and he was the loveliest, most down to earth, just coolest cool. fucking dude. And I was so paranoid because like. No offense, Reggie, but you're not, like, a huge star. He's, like, he's in a lot of stuff. Like, he's a, he's a working fucking actor. But I feel like he doesn't get shown the same respect as someone like Robert England or even Ken Faree or some of these bigger names in the horror industry. And for me, he's up there. Like, holy fuck, if I ever got to write a movie where... Reggie Bannister was in it, I'd be over the moon. I wow. fucking love that guy. Like, I want to write a movie, like a Woody Allen movie, where I'm the star and he's my grandpa. Oh, like, wow. I fucking love Reggie Bannister. And he was <laughs> super nice, super kind, and he was just so receptive, you know? Like, he, I, I basically went up to him and kind of said, like, look, man, the Phantasm movies have a big impact on me. I think that they are unlike anything else that's ever been made, and I think a large portion of that is because of you, because of the articles that I've read and that, you know, you and Don Coscarelli and Michael Baldwin and Angus Scrim, you guys all kind of not improv the movie, but you sculpt it together. Like there's a script, but it's not holy. The movie is you guys. And I think that, um, that can't be overstated. I think those movies are just fucking stellar. And I think he's a large reason why they are. They hold up. I mean, in, in that, oh in that genre, God. it's one of the few, let's be honest, right, that, that holds up. Yeah, even fucking Phantasm Four, which was made for, like, $5. <laughs> 385 I read it. It's $385, maybe, I saw it. Maybe <laughs> 5 Because it's, it's not, like, for me, Phantasm isn't about, it's not about the ball. It's not about, you know, the cemetery. It's not about the little Jawa alien guys. Phantasm, for me, is about... Reggie's love for Mike and this just unrelenting evil conspiring to get between them. And for me, that's an allegory for life. Like, the tall man is existence. And Reggie and Mike are stand-ins for any human being in any culture across space and time that are just trying to coexist and be together in the same place and love each other. And it's, it's... even cooler because they're two guys because it's there's a like tangible love on screen between those two guys like decades before the term bromance existed like Reggie Bannister has known Michael Baldwin since he was what 11 in the first movie like he's literally known that guy his entire life and it shows on screen yeah they are family there's no there's no yeah there's no it's so fucking wonderful to watch those people be on screen and you know sure they're fighting for the you know fate of all reality and planet earth or whatever <laughs> who gives a fuck they're just they're trying to stay friends which is hard it's hard to maintain personal relationships because people are flawed and shitty and selfish and when you have two people that have a shared interest and the shared interest is each other I think that can't be overstated. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it's unique, right? You don't see that I mean that often legitimate the especially the reusing of continual actors. They just there's there isn't that reflection of like a real relationship in anything. It's just it's 
You just know. And and yeah. that seemed and genuine. It like, seemed genuine. In horror, like, the tradition is, oh, no, we kill off the protagonist in the next movie to cast young, sexy people to show their boobs. Like, hmm. I would be down for a movie where, uh, like, a Phantasm movie where Mike and Reggie weren't protagonists. Like, I think it would be cool because I don't think that the concept is limited to them. But... It's just so rad to see that them just it's it's like fucking it's not it's not even like nostalgia culture where it's like man I loved reading Rambio I'm gonna <laughs> download fucking the new reading Rambio on Netflix <laughs> like it's not that which is great reading Rambio is awesome I loved it as a kid it's great no fucks about it but there's something just about seeing those two people interact or those three people interact on screen and the off screen dynamic coming through so well like that's the only thing about amazing spider-man 2 that was successful aside from the spider suit fucking suit look great the spider suit was so good and that movie was a dog shit abortion of a movie i know i want i i I wanted to love that movie so bad that i liked it like for the first week i was like and maybe i still do in some depending on my mood and if i put it in but yeah suit looked great and it was just uh and their their chemistry is really fun um Specifically, like, Emma Stone. Like, she's just super cute in that movie. Um, like, her kind of, like, maybe you should get a more annoying laugh. And then she's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, her comedic skills are great. She's on point. I wish they had given her anything to do. Like, Some... the movie's awful. It's awful. Yeah, and Spider-Man has my heart. For me, like, early on, that was one of those that uh, I scrounged up, you know, 85 cents out of my dad's couch to go to 7-Eleven to buy my first Spider-Man comic. That was the beginning for me. So for me, my heart's always still kind of there. And I try to just, in most, and for the most part, just kind of ignore the movies. And, uh, and hell, ignore the comics for a long period of time. Actually, the only, uh, the, uh, the recent uh, Renew Your Vow. Mm. Which is like some, like the, the writing room had amnesia and for since 1995 and then sort of began again. And so it, I don't know, man. I loved I loved Spider Verse. Spider Island was really cool. I like. Yeah, that's true. I was in there on those. Oh, they were okay. Yeah, they were good for a little while. You were so dead inside. <laughs> I did not love fucking Spider Island. It was every Spider. I did like ever. Spider Island. It was fun and but and Bachelo. I mean, his art. Mm-hmm. You know, so pretty to look at. Always Spider Verse. So they 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 paid Olivier Copiel, one of the highest paid, most in demand artists in mainstream comics, to draw Spider Ham. Yeah, I just felt like Spider Verse Two was like a like it, they it was like an advertisement for action figures in your face. That's kind of what I felt like. You know, it was just like a, when it, I don't know. It was everything I wanted it to be, and yeah. the fact that like the the Tokusatsu like total oh, yeah, Spider Man yeah. was in there. All right, that that I giggled out hard. I was like, yeah, okay. Right, yeah, all right, I, did I loved love it. I, I did loved like it. that. Made me go back and watch the uh, Japanese Spider-Man TV show. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Mm-hmm. Wow, that was yeah, so much fun. Yeah, wow, that was so much fun. I love that. Yeah, Professor Monster, man, he's the shit. Professor Monster, that was good. And it, it, to me, it holds up. I don't know if it's just the, the, you know. No, it definitely nostalgia. does. It definitely does. It holds up well. I, I enjoy. It. I, why haven't? Why don't we have that on DVD yet? Why isn't there a Blu-ray of that yet? I mean, Shout Factory, put it the fuck out. I'm still in, in that weird camp of where I do buy Blu-rays. I know nobody does that, but I still like to have a shelf. I buy a DVDs, shelfer. honestly. I buy bootleg DVDs from, like, Thailand and Malaysia. 
Yikes, that's crazy. You can't get tokusatsu stuff here in the States legally. I mean, you can download it, which I do sometimes, um, but, like, there's literally no way to get it unless it's, like, a guy in fucking Malaysia, like, burning shit on his, like, 2002 (laughs) Dell computer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, man, I can't thank you enough. I think we've... I know we have to have another interview. This feels just like part one. Yeah, sure. I'm down to do more. Part one, and I just feel like we've just barely scraped the surface, so I have to... Thank you. We've been going an hour and seventeen minutes. And <laughs> I've, I've peed on the floor three times. I mean, it, this is great. Thanks you for too. Oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> that, that's what I heard. Yeah. But I, I mean, I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Dave Baker. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you. It was nice to meet you slash interview you slash Facetime you slash meet you on Instagram slash Instagram slash, man. Slash, slash. Making friends on Instagram, yo. It's weird, <laughs> but I love weird. it. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm a fan of your work, and I will continue to read it. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bug you when more issues. When I've got more issues in my in my, in the bank for me. So, and if you haven't seen it, people, theactionhospital.com and X Dave Baker X on the Instagram on the Instagram the Instagram the Instagram yeah. Or is it pronounced Insta uh, in I I Instagram. I just say Shrimpstagram. 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 Yeah, yeah, I'm X Day Bigger X on Shrimpstagram. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it from now on. It's I follow you on Shrimpstagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say Tweeter and Shrimpstagram. Shrimpstagram. Oh, my God. And I'm going to go back and read Casanova, too. Now you got me, like, kind of Jones and look at it. Oh, it's so good, man. It's so good. I've got to pull it out. Well, before that, I'm going to look at your stuff some more. Because I, I really, I right at three, I was like, okay, I'm digging this. I'm like, I was really starting to, to, to get, you know, deep into it, so... Thank you. I love it, man. Oh, and, and I, one last question, if I could, because this is uh, yeah. this, this comes from a friend of mine, and I, I, I sat down with this friend, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm going to be interviewing this this comic book writer, commercial writer, writes for the movie script writer, Dave Baker. If you were sitting down with someone, you had one question to ask, what would it be? I just I love to just hit this guy out of the blue and just kind of see what he came up with. He's mm-hmm. a guy that I work with at the company that won't be named, and he was like, "Well, ask him this, like." Uh, now that you're doing what you want to do, because I'm I'm suspecting you love this at least in the in the love in the love meter, I would say anywhere in the neighborhood of about eighteen percent, eighteen percent. And come on, you're like hundred and forty percent. So you, obviously, oh, I guess on a side question before I even go into that question, do you find yourself pursuing other art media? Do you think you'll just stay in the writing completely, or are you going even to? Because now that you've your your mind has exploded and you're branching out of just one particular style of writing, thanks to all the things that happened to you in Casanova. Do you think you'll be going into other levels of, of the media? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I've written and directed some short films, um, right. so I think that's probably where I'm like ultimately I'll be. The goal is to be like a mixture of Sophie Campbell and Alejandro Jodorowsky. So like, make a movie, get to write and direct it. Then take a couple years while I'm writing the next movie, make write a shit ton of comics that I don't have to worry about finding $250 million to make, and then make a movie, and then make a bunch of comics, and then make a movie, and, you know. Because, nice. like, El Topo is one of my favorite movies ever. Fucking, he's the shit. And, like, fucking Meta Barons is great. Uh, fucking all his shit with Mobius. Like, Yodorowsky is, from a format point of view is really cool how he kind of like jumped back and forth um and or just left the movie world to write comics for like 30 years um but that's neither here nor there (laughs) um but yeah taking that i I basically that's you know i'm 80 looking back on life and i am lucky enough to string together enough compatriots and money to be able to make some things that some people see 
that's the goal. Awesome. Well, good luck. I know you're going to get there, man. You have an amazing Thanks. talent. Your writing, your writing ability is top notch. And I'm Thank gonna, you. I'm a fan, and I'm gonna be in there. Well, anyway, going back. Thanks for letting me veer, mm-hmm. hung a left U-turn on that one. But uh, his his question was, um, what keeps you motivated in wanting to continue to do what you do? I say magic. I mean, I'm just saying it's <laughs> magic. Yeah, black magic, Satan. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's almost it's funny because I have like a fuck off crazy work ethic. Um, and I think most of that is motivated by fear, fear of dying and not having put my block on the pyramid, fear of basically not having the impact on someone else that Hege had on me or not like that's the that's the goal. The goal is to be able to communicate my existence and my thoughts and feelings on reality to another human being through art. Um, so it's it's a constant oh fuck am I doing the steps that I need to do in order to be able to talk. It's almost like if I was one of those old school cars and you have to like to drive, you know, I was not going to come across on the podcast, but I was making like a winding motion. With winding my in the center of his chest. Car from like 1910. <laughs> so like, you know, the, the writing stuff and the, and the, the motivation side of that is it's the winding up of the engine in order so that when the work is finished and produced and I can hand it to someone and that's the car driving and going down the road. Awesome. That's beautiful. Well, uh, I hope you, I like that you just called my shitty, like, fucking chitty chitty bang bang analogy beautiful <laughs> no, i appreciate that it really shows that that's like a, it, it's magic is what you overall said that it's inside of you to make sure you've made your mark to to express your art and have people see it and enjoy it is your and and really it's an inexhaustible well there's no uh uh, there's a, yeah, there's the, no... and the enjoying thing, I don't even really give a shit about. Like, as long as I could pay rent and get to make it, that's all I really care about. I would love, I would love to be like a critical darling, like Nicholas Winding Riffin. But if I'm cursed to be Uva Ball, I'm cursed to be Uva Ball. Like, why the fuck are there so many panels on this page? This guy sucks. Look <laughs> at these goddamn panels. Some fucking panels. I hate this. Why does this guy always put shitty synth pop in his movies? It's terrible. <laughs> Wolf head for a crotch. What's going on here? What the fuck is a wolf head? How does he pee? <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, the part one of many parts, Dave. I appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you so man. much. Thank you. And, I appreciate uh, you having me on. Yes, and thanks for answering that question. And again, check him out on theactionhospital.com and on his Instagram, X Dave Baker X. Thanks, y'all. Hope you enjoyed that. So oh, there it is. What a blast. What how much fun that was. Thank you again. And please check out his webcomic, theactionhospital.com, and check him out on Instagram. He's, uh, you, you get that, him, all over the place, and some beautiful art, that collaboration of the artists that are working with him, so you get something unique every so often when he posts. I want him to post more. I wish he... Come on, Dave. But uh, <laughs> I, it's good stuff and worth the wait. So check him out, X, Dave Baker, X. So let's go right into the next section for almost five feel-good factoid comic book freebies. And the first one is from blueinartinfo.com. And I always look for odd, interesting, and weird ways that people use comic books to help people with stuff. And 
it also gives people a warm and fuzzy feeling when it comes to comics because it's helping them. And this one, the title of it says, Couple Creates Comic Book to Demolish Myths Regarding Menstruation. So this was <laughs> unique. They put together a self-help book. These people had normal nine to five jobs too, and they uh, here's the um, they basically stopped their full time jobs to take a couple of years to brainstorm, experiment, research uh, what they call menstrupedia, and it's a self help twelve page comic kind of designed for the twelve year old girl that will you know help them with some of the fear and anxiety that comes with this female part of their lives and I just thought how cool can help young girls to to not be so afraid of that and embrace it and understand it at least and maybe have a little fun in there they've designed a little humor into it as well and um, so check that out the second story comes from journaltimes.com titled mosquito gallery hosts comic book art show I love when these small towns are displaying original comic book artwork, and every time I read it, I feel like, why don't we have these in Los Angeles? I scour, I keep looking every single week, and they're everywhere else, but in the largest city in the world, on the globe, I'm pretty sure. Um, So, this is in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. uh, (laughs) I love the name of it. Uh, Hosting It's Clobbering Time. An exhibit that focuses on superhero comic book art from August 15th to the 31st from 6 to midnight. So you could even go late at night and check out this comic book, this uh, art show, which has Marvel image, DC characters, original artwork, autographed artwork. Uh, There's some there's going to be some Jack Kirby stuff, just a plethora of of awesome looking art. There's no peek into the uh, art exhibit, which I love to see. But uh, if you're in that area in that time frame in Kenosha, Wisconsin, check out the Mosquito Gallery because they're going to have some awesome art in it. The third story is kind of a big deal. It's a birthday. Spider-Man's birthday. August 10th celebrates the 53rd birthday of one of my favorites, maybe my all-time favorite, uh, Spidey. And uh, man, I can remember... The first issue I bought of Spider-Man, digging out $1.25 out of my dad's couch in Las Vegas and walking four blocks to the closest 7-Eleven. He didn't live in the best neighborhood in Las Vegas at the time also. And I don't even think I was allowed to go to 7-Eleven and buy this, uh, buy a comic, so sorry dad, but I just remember it being a spectacular Spider-Man, I forget the number, but it hooked me. That was it. I was in. The heart the you know with great power comes great responsibility he was relatable and i'm still with you spider-man so happy happy 53rd birthday spider-man and the fourth and almost fifth and final feel-good factoid comic book freebie story is from news.fiu.edu comic book uses art to promote health and again it's One of those that is designed here, it says, I'll just read part of it because it's awesome. The College of Architecture and Arts at Miami Beach Urban Studios will host Super Health Heroes, a community comic book coloring event that addresses the issue of childhood diabetes type 1 uh, on September 3rd at 730. And so if you're in the Miami area. And the event's free, open to the public. It's a result of this class project that won a grant from the Miami-Dade Department of Cultural Affairs. So they have put together this 
12-page self-help comic book that's designed to make kids feel better if they have type 1 diabetes. Diabetes. And I just think that's great. You know, kids are scared. They don't know what this thing is. And the, the splash page of this looks kind of psychedelic, but colorful and just beautiful. And and it's uh, just their way of, of helping the kids out and bridging that gap of, of, you know, fear to understanding. And I just think uh, I commend them upon that. So well done. So check that uh, article out. So there. I hope you enjoyed the four, almost five. <laughs> Feel good factoid freebies. And uh, next up, we're going to take a quick glimpse, just one little article here, into the world of artificial intelligence. (laughs) It's been a while, maybe a couple weeks since we've done an AI story. Hasn't been anything that popped up until this. This is from uh, indiatoday.com. Title says, soon robots will give birth to baby robots. I am great. <laughs> Artificial intelligence is a growing trend, and this new invention from Cambridge, Cambridge University can change the fundamentals of the way we look at technology. The researchers of Cambridge University have developed a new robot, robot which will be capable of having baby robots. Uh, great. <laughs> way to go, Cambridge. <laughs> So anyway, there you go. That's uh, that's our glimpse into the world of artificial intelligence. Hope you liked it. And now we would like to introduce the next and final and favorite segment. Let's talk about the comic books that came out this week and discuss the top four picks. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, anyway. <laughs> so this week there was ten. Uh, a light but very, very strong week. It was like titanium light but very very strong week and it was a little tricky took me 10 minutes of deliberation or so to to pick out what i felt were the best and it was four so fantastic and uh let's jump right in number four batman i don't i can't remember the last time i've had batman as a pick of the week i'll have to look on sunspotscomics.com and click on pull list and see if it's been up there, but I don't think so. So Batman number 43, DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, beautiful art by Greg Capullo, and also Mickey and Placencia doing ink and letters. And let me tell you, this is like a beautiful mess. And and who doesn't love a beautiful mess from time to time? This, this is what this is. I like that it just puts aside the whole whatever the continuity of is going on in the rest of DC. I just don't even really know. Don't really care. Um, but that being said, this has uh, Commissioner Gordon as Batman working with this this high-tech agency that Bruce Wayne helped build. And uh, he's flying around in a mech suit. Oh, there's no mech suit. There's no Batman mech suit in this. We do get to see him in just sort of the, the <laughs> cloth Batman undies. Which look great. They just uh, all black with sort of yellowy outline, and it's neat to see his body type as as Batman because he's just kind of slim and he's an older dude. And but this is kind of an introduction of a new character that I'm interested in. Maybe it's just because I can't remember. Uh, I like when they, especially in the in the big two, come up with a, a bad guy. And this one seems like he's gonna stick around. His name is Mister Bloom. And he's iconic looking. He has like a sunflower on his face. He's slender. Looks like the tall man or 
It looks like kind of scarecrowish, actually, long hands and feet, and just creepy looking. You can't see any eyes or any profile. And he's created some strange drug that gives people superpowers. And that isn't the most important part. Bruce Wayne, who in the last, spoilers, of course, in the last uh, series was quote unquote killed, well, this strange Dionysium chemical brought him back to life and repaired his brain. To the point of where he didn't really remember being Batman. So as Alfred was explaining to him his life, because he basically had amnesia, Bruce Wayne stops him at the point of explaining that he's Batman and tells him, I've heard enough. That's not who I am. I don't want to live that life. And so conveniently, an old ex-girlfriend knocks at the door, I guess looking for maybe a charitable donation. He decides to just join this group and work in the community and grow grow a beard and even Superman swings by to check on Bruce because he's living this whole different life now. And he's, he's now he's with this girl and helping kids and helping the community. And even Superman can't believe it. He's like in a convertible with Alfred here, cruising by, using his x-ray vision through a wall to like really see Bruce doing this. And is like, wow, it's Bruce doesn't know how to fight. He can tell. Like He's looking right into his brain. So it's, it's a mess. It's all over the place. But I really enjoyed it. And the art is... It's just a rainbow of colors in this. I have to give hats off to the inking work. And Capullo art, fantastic. The action scenes have rainbow-like colors in it. So very cool. That's my number four. Number three, by Image Comics, The Walking Dead, number 145. Blood for blood. And previously on, it says, Olivia, Josh, Carson, Tommy, Luke, Aaron, Ken, Amber, Louie, Oscar, Rosita, Ezekiel... These are the men and women murdered by the Whisperers, the zombie skin wearers. <laughs> their heads posted on pikes as a warning for Rick and the communities to keep their distance. And I've been critical on the artwork by Mr. Charlie Adler in the past, but this is, I would say, one of his best issues. The cover is iconic, black and white. Uh, Michonne's sword sticking in the ground with just red. Black, white, red just pops out and just looks so iconic. You can see this on the hardcover. You can see it on shirts, hats, everything. Just has that samurai sword sticking in the ground, black and white, blood running down it. And his work with Ezekiel, Ezekiel's head on a pike, looks amazing. And just structurally this is really well done, framed really uniquely. The the emotions, the tears up close, because this the killing of all these people and their heads on their pike obviously has big community impact. And Michonne is having a hard time. As equal and her were on the verge of having this relationship, she turned it down, walked away, and now she lost her chance. So she's really emotionally distraught by this. And he, our Adler, just shows it so well. It's so easily seen here, the anger, the frustration, the sadness in her face. And she mentions that she hasn't been emotional in a really long time. So this is just on the precipice here. What's going to happen? The Whisperers now have killed 12 people in their group. Now Rick has to go and talk to the entire group and tell them this horrible news. What's he going to do? If he doesn't take immediate action, how will they, how will they view Rick and his leadership ability? So he's at that, that turmoil again. Is it war? Is it not war? What's going to happen? It just keeps getting better and better. Hats off. That's why it's my number three. Number two by Dark Horse Comics, Harrow County. Number four, Colin Bunn, Tyler Crook. 
this looks like the end of this particular arc. This wraps up, and it shows our witch character, Emmy, who is running away. She doesn't really want to use her, her powers for evil. She's a resurrected witch, and it goes into that, and who, why they had to kill her. They sort of justify it here. You think all these people are witch hunters, but when they show some flashbacks of what this witch did before, uh, it makes sense in sort of a way. So they sort of bring some humanization to these evil people that are witch hunting. But Emmy's trying to run, and then she's being stalked by this beast, this this bull with four eyes. I love the use of the yellow and the black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. <laughs> and uh, it's and and the uh, the water coloring here just gives a dirty feel to everything. He he uses it in on faces, on arms, on hands, on the walls, and it just gives a just a, an ickiness to this series that adds to the overall feel of it. And just so well done. So she is uh, taken hostage from this this nice old man that's like the town doctor, lures her into the car, and then kind of Bill Cosby's her and puts a little something in the tea, and uh, she wakes up later and... Uh... <laughs> horrible Bill Cosby, sorry. And so she kind of trusted this doctor, and he betrays her, but then she said, he reveals that he's under orders by her from, the pre- from her, her previous uh, life. The, the witch had put a spell on him to protect her resurrected person when the time comes. And so he was hiding her for her own good. Well, battle ensues. She wants free of that. And some of her bodyguards, the skinless man that follows her in the woods, comes to her rescue. And it's it comes to a close here. That She faces the town. The town, four people attack her. She just disintegrates them with her powers now. So she's definitely strong. She's in control. It was cool to see her development from this frail, scared young woman and to now where she's really becoming her own and embracing that she is this, this, you know, past, she's the spirit of a past soul, but she's embracing it. And she wants to, she tells them all that, yes, she is this resurrected witch, but that's not how she was raised. And that's not who she is. And that's not, not how it's going to go down. And they're going to have to trust her. And so they give her some space. They decide to leave her alone. Interesting. The town just even embraces her as some time passes here, bringing someone's sick child to her and saying, can you help her? Can you heal her? I love that transition. These people, you know, which I think was maybe a few months gap, you know, wanted to hang her from a tree, set her on fire. Now they're saying, can you heal my baby? But still, they've they've known her all their life, and she most of her life she wasn't this crazy witch with powers. And then the big reveal at the end is that uh, Emmy has a twin sister, a sophisticated, some other place in the world twin sister that uh, says, like, after all, this is all mine, isn't it? The city, the world, all of it. But she has this happy, very pleasant look on her face. Not like uh, she's looking out the window at all the minions ready to dominate the planet. So interesting. And of course, Colin Bunn writes a spooky story about the town he's from in the back. Let's talk about the farmhouse, he writes. <laughs> a little snippet from some of the spooky stories from his neighborhood, from where he came from. So check that all out. Number two was so good. Harrow County. And it's probably going to be a while before we see another one. I think this is wrapping up an arc, so it'll be together in trade. But the number one comic book pick of new comic book day for last week, which was Wednesday, August 12th, I think. Yeah, 12th. <laughs> is from Image Comics, 
Starve. And, man, Starve, number three. From Brian Wood, Dan Dejel, Zezajez, and <laughs> Dave Stewart. I, I challenge anyone to say that second name correctly, because I have to look it up. So I apologize. With even some help with, from Steve Wands. And the art style here is very dark. Very dark. A lot of sort of charcoal-y looks to it. And this part of it is... The reason why it's number one is it taps upon that father-daughter combination. He's a deadbeat dad. He's, he, he feels like he has... This is his last chance to make amends with his 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 daughter, Angie, who's 17. And he's has to compete in this food show. You know, the world's all destroyed. And there's this five-hour-long TV show about uh, with these chefs, which he was on for a while in the past, but he led a life of debauchery and drugs and alcohol, etc. So now he's trying to redeem himself, and he brings his daughter in as his sous chef. It's kind of a way to really surprise everyone. And she's telling him, you've forgotten how to actually cook. How you've won the contest, the starve contest so far, is beyond her, because he's doing some sort of uh, out out there sort of things to impress the judges. So she kind of grounds him and says, like, you need to cook for me like you did when I was little. You know, scrambled. Let's start with eggs. Scrambled, not runny. So they have this this very, in this grandiose event that's occurring, this is very grounded and very small, and it, it really resonated, that father-daughter connection that he's really trying to have. And he admits that he's not good at this as it's going along. And at the same time, his ex, Greer, ex-wife, hates him with a passion, is planning to take him out of this contest. And doesn't even... She, the daughter, Angie, has to sneak away to see her dad, Gavin, the main character in this, the 50-something-year-old guy that, that is trying to rekindle that relationship with his daughter. So he brings her on as a sous chef. She's not well-versed in the area of food. And yet, uh, then the challenge is a live pig and to use every bit of it. And my sister immediately popped into my head as I read this part. So, hi, Carrie. Um, it, it's a challenge for them to use every bit of it. And he even has his daughter do the sous chef work. So he strings the live pig up, which this whole part was just very visceral. And it was, and says, okay, you have to kill the pig and tells her where to stab um, appropriately so that it's done humanely and quickly. And she doesn't bat an eye. She doesn't flinch. And he knew that she wouldn't. And that scene alone confirms how much of a carnivore I am. Because you'd think, you know, oh, that's going to be gross. And, it, you know, it visually is sort of gross as they're dissecting this pig and every part of it. But, uh, yeah, it just made me want some bacon. Maybe some ham. <laughs> so, no uh, doubt there. 100% carnivore. And... <laughs> And she really rises to the occasion here, and they really have a connection. There's really a moment, a few panels, where they're just looking at each other's eyes, and they come up with these very descriptive food dishes. Sugar hearts, belly knuckle blood cake with fried eggs, and there's almost like a recipe of how to make this. Borscht with pork. And they even even in this dark panel, this, this palette of darkness, grays, and brown. They, they actually have a way to make the food look enticing. You know, with the way that he draws carrots and and a pig heart and intestines. I don't, it's just so well done. I can't quite explain it. You have to really see it. But uh, that is the number one pick. It's it. Uh, 
I can't wait to see where this ends. I think it's going to be ending in the next issue, number four. And interesting to see if if Angie's mom, the ex-Greer, because she says, like, let's take him out. That's kind of the final line, and you're like, take him out as far as they're going to murder him, and it's going to make a twist here, or take him out of the show. I think I think take him out of the show, but we'll see. Who knows? But anyway, that's our show. Thank you so very much for listening to this entire podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. And thanks again to Dave Baker at actionhospital.com. And please check us out. Sunspotscomics.com is our website. Zombiedestroyers.com. And of course, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Sunspotscomics. So thank you very much. And I hope the rest of your day, week, month, whatever it is, is fantastic. So thank you again for listening. And don't forget, as my plastic surgeon always said, if you gotta go, go with a smile.